Hi everybody, Wendy Dickinson here, licensed psychologist at Grow Counseling in Atlanta. We are a counseling practice. We have four offices spread out throughout Atlanta and um, we are excited to be recording some podcasts for you all during this time of uncertainty, quarantine, coronavirus, financial crisis, all the things right now. Um, I have with me Elizabeth, who's one of our therapists. Uh, she works primarily out of our Swanee and Alpharetta offices. Elizabeth, thanks for making time to be with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You wanna just tell our audience a little bit about what your specialization is, what kind of clients you work with on a regular basis? Sure, so I work primarily with uh, teenagers and up mostly with trauma, eating disorders, uh, anxiety, and depression. Great, great. All relevant topics right now. Um, we've, uh, you know, one of the, the conversations we've been having in the office is how challenging it is for people who are either in recovery from addiction or people who have pre-existing conditions or eating disorders to be out of their routine to be confined right. in spaces with people they're not usually maybe confined with, or maybe they're isolated when they're not usually isolated. So just all those things that are coming up for people that, that take the stress and the uncertainty to even another whole level. So mm -hmm. why don't you talk for a minute just about what you're seeing in terms of how the coronavirus and the self-quarantine is impacting people who are in specifically recovery around eating disorders? Yeah. So Right now, eating disorder recovery is definitely being put to the test. There's been a lot of changes um, that have happened very rapidly in the last couple of weeks, um, changes that are really important to protecting our community and to protecting us as individuals. But some of these changes are very challenging or really even not very helpful for eating disorder recovery. Um, you know, as an eating disorder therapist, I'm constantly talking to my clients about don't isolate yourself, lean on your support system, and society is telling us right now um, that we need to be isolating ourselves. That's a great point. It's such a great point. Like what is helpful for the community and for everyone, the group may not be as helpful for the individual. That, that I think is a really, really good point. So what are some of the specific things that you see people dealing with an isolation as they're in recovery from an eating disorder? Sure. So, you know, in isolation, it makes some of those unhealthy behaviors um, more likely to happen. And as anytime we're experiencing an anxiety or more anxiety around food, it becomes harder and harder to make healthier choices around food. Um, so, you know, one of those things is that if we're isolated, we might be experiencing more boredom. Well, boredom can be a really big trigger um, for a binge episode or binging and purging. Um, you know, another thing is that we're hearing a lot about food scarcity. Uh, there's you know, limited availability to a lot of different types of foods, um, and that's also very anxiety-producing for someone with an eating disorder, well, for us all, really. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just toilet table people are worried about. Right. Like, what am I going to be able to get when I go to the grocery store? Exactly. Exactly. And, and everyone's constantly talking about that. And it makes sense because that's the world that we're living in right now. Um, but all this constant talk about food and restaurants closing and grocery stores having limited hours, 
um, all of that can be very, very triggering for somebody who has an eating disorder. Um, I've also noticed just in my social media feed how many people are talking about drinking wine, eating chocolate. Yes. I get it because, you know, it's a comfort source for all of us, but I can imagine for those people that are working through this recovery process, that's a lot of information and a lot of triggers to be inundated with when they do something that seems as, you know, as innocuous as opening your social media feed. Oh, absolutely. I I think social media is playing a huge, huge role in what's happening right now for eating disorder recovery and coronavirus. Yeah. So what are some of the positive ways? I know we're kind of talking about the negative aspects of social media there, but Mm -hmm. what are some of the positive ways people can be using social media during this time? Sure. So yeah, I think it's really important to remember that social media can be used for good. It can be used as a tool for hope and for positivity. Um, There are a lot of really helpful apps out there uh, like Recovery Road and Rise Up. Um, Those are just some eating disorder recovery apps that can help you stay on track during this time while maybe other resources are less available. Um, Also, I think being really intentional about what accounts we're following right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, we can see a lot of people saying a lot of things and it might be really well intentioned. Um, but I think it's important to think about, is this helping me on my road to recovery or is this maybe creating more of a negative headspace for me? Um, and there's also a lot of apps out there for um, meditation and mindfulness, like Headspace, Calm, or Breathe. Um, okay. And that's something that can be helpful and that people can do from home right now. That's great. So those are ones where people go on and they are actually guided through some kind of a meditation or a relaxation exercise to kind of help get them back into their bodies to get them grounded in the moment. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, not just for people with eating disorders, but for everyone, I think being intentional about the boundaries that we have with social media during this time can play a crucial role in our um, mental state right now. That's great. I know we were talking earlier about that this isn't a one-size-fits-all approach and what works for you may not be the same thing that works for me. So I think that idea of really checking in with yourself and going, how am I feeling right now? How did I feel earlier? What can I do that would help sort of, you know, me set myself up for success in the future? I think is really important. If we're just kind of going on autopilot, we're probably going to find ourselves standing in front of the refrigerator and not even know kind of how we got there. Exactly. Exactly. Especially during this time, that can be very, very triggering for somebody who has an eating disorder. And so not being intentional about our routines. Um, and those kinds of things can maybe help us stay, stay safe and make healthy choices. That's great. So let's, before we jump to kind of what are the practical tips to do, let's talk about friends and family. Like, let's say we're, we are um, quarantined with somebody mm-hmm. who is in recovery, or maybe we're aware that our loved one is in recovery at a distance by themselves. Um, What are some of the things that we can do as friends and family to rally around and help the people that we love? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, If you have a family member or a friend 
who's struggling with an eating disorder during this time, please reach out to them. Um, encourage them to stay connected to their therapist um, and their dietitianist, nutritionist, um, everyone who's kind of on their wellness and care team. That's great. Um, I know a lot of therapists, dietitians, nutritionists, doctors are all doing telemental health right now, yes. which is the fancy way of saying distance care, video right. conferencing, phone calls. So you're just saying, hey, reach out to them and see what kind of services they're providing and how they can stay connected during this Exactly, time. exactly. Um, and, you know, understanding that the, the loved ones in your life who are struggling with eating disorder recovery, um, they probably are facing, you know, more triggers around foods and um, some of these difficult situations right now than possibly others of us. Um, you know, also those clients with anorexia or orthorexia or ARFID, they can have a much lower body weight, which means that they could have a compromised immune system. So it's especially important that we're protecting those individuals during this time. That's great. I, a follow-up question there on the triggering um, aspects. You know, we, that's a word that I think in therapy we throw around a lot. And sure. um, in recovery circles, we talk about triggers. But for the average person, the family member, or the friend who's listening and trying to understand what a trigger or a triggering event would be, can you give a couple examples of what some of those things might be? Sure. So like, for example, right now we're stocking up on foods with a long shelf life, things like pasta or rice and beans. And those kinds of foods can be very triggering for somebody with an eating disorder because they're scared potentially uh, of the calories or weight gain. Um, and if we're stuck at home and we're not moving our bodies that much, as much, it's something that is going to create a lot of anxiety around food and around our bodies. Um, and for somebody with an eating disorder, experiencing those things means that they might have a harder time than making healthier choices around food and their bodies. That's great. So one of the things I noticed you're talking about is like being outside of your normal routine is hard for all of us, mm -hmm. but especially for people who rely on a routine to help them with a recovery process, it becomes even more critical to recognize the impact of that. If they're, if they're used to um, eating foods that feel safe and healthy and they're yes. engaging in safe and healthy exercise, to all of a sudden maybe not have access to that um, can, can be one of those what we're calling triggering events, which would really uh, escalate the way that they're feeling or may put them into what feels like a, a downward spiral and exactly and cause them to engage in some behaviors that aren't healthy or could potentially be very damaging exactly and so that's if you're uh, a friend or family member trying to encourage them to rely on uh, the people in their lives and their their wellness team that that can hopefully help them stay on track and not have this time be something that makes them feel stuck in their recovery that's great. One thing I would just highlight about what you said that I think is super important is that the friends and family member don't have to all of a sudden become the therapist or the nutritionist or the, the support team. Like right. really their role is to redirect the loved one who struggles to their established support team. So I think, yes. I think that could be super challenging if parents or friends feel like all of a sudden they have to jump in and be giving advice or providing support 
when really what their best role is, is to help redirect somebody to the sources that they already are connected with. Yes, exactly. And, and that's, it's, it's a balance because you know, another thing that those struggling with an eating disorder, well, and really all of us, we all really want autonomy. Um, and so, yes, it's all about making sure they're staying connected to the right people, but not trying not to overstep so that they can feel like they're in control of their recovery. That's great. So let's transition just to talking about um, helpful strategies for people who are struggling with an eating disorder during this time. What are some practical things that you would say to them? Yeah. So um, reach out to your therapist and your your dietitian, your nutritionist, um, and talk to them about creating a plan for you for staying on track with your recovery during this time. Um, and if you don't have a, a therapist or a dietitian, nutritionist during this time, please don't hesitate to reach out. I, I know that um, it might be weird to reach out to somebody just online for you know that initial contact, but there are a lot of us um, eating disorder professionals out there who are really eager to help during this time. Um, we're all exploring the telemental health, telemental health thing together, and um, we just want to encourage people to make sure that they're connected with um, a great team of people to help them. That's fantastic. Oh, thanks. Um, so. Also, you know, we're talking about how can we move our bodies when we're at home like this. And I think that's so important. We definitely all need to be moving our bodies. Um, but, you know, for those with eating disorders, I want to remind you that just because we do need to move our bodies, that doesn't mean you have to earn your food. Um, that's so good. So just healthy boundaries around how we're exercising, how we're moving our bodies. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier about how that they've actually, research has shown that uh, moving as little as 30 minutes a day with your heart rate up, maybe a little bit of sweat. It doesn't have to be all, you know, full on, you know, body power pump, weight lifting class, you know. Right. Going outside, going for a walk as little as 30 minutes a day is actually equivalent to taking a low dose of an antidepressant for most people. So yes. when you think about our opportunities right now, yeah, it might be raining outside, but it's at least a little warmer. Most of us probably aren't going to melt. You know, we could yes. go outside and go for a 30 minute walk every day, which kind of helps to burn off all those stress hormones. It helps yes. to kind of recenter. It gives us some perspective, just being outside, but it also really helps from a, an emotional point of view because it helps to kind of give us a boost in endorphins that we need. Yes. And, and from an eating disorder perspective, when we're moving our bodies, we're actually developing a more positive relationship with our bodies. Great. Um, so that's an, another thing to remember to prioritize during this time. That's great. Anything else, other practical things that you would highlight? Yes. So I think it's easy if you have an eating disorder um, to feel like that eating disorder voice in your head is telling you to focus on your body or that your body is the problem right now. So I just want to encourage people to lean in and to be curious about how you're responding to what we're seeing in the world right now and to really try to focus on healthy coping and the right support system rather than the belief that your body is the problem. That's great. That's great. So really staying focused on what's positive rather yes. than focused on your body during this time. Yes. And, you know, this 
is really hard, but this isn't forever. And I think that's always important to remember whenever we're dealing with something really hard um, in the mental health world is that this, this isn't a sentence that's going to last for forever. This is something that will end. Um, and, and, you know, I, with that, it's so important to remain hopeful and to remain positive. That's great. I, I've been saying that to people too. Like we don't know exactly when the timeline, the end point is, which is I think part of what increases our stress because we, yes. we don't have a clear end point, but we know that there will be one. There will right. be a return to normal um, at some point. So that I, I love that point on staying hopeful and positive and just knowing that we're going to get through this and it, things will be able to get back to our normal groove at some point. Yes. Any, any specific resources before we wrap up that you would point people towards? Sure. So um, the National Eating Disorder Association, um, they've got a great website and they also have a helpline, uh, which is 1-800-931-2237. Um, and, you know, if you, if you just look online, there's also a lot of other great fitness resources that are focused on being body positive um, and focusing on health at every size. There are um, social media influencers who are focusing on positivity during this time. Um, and, um, you know, Grow has developed this really great resource, which is um, a survival plan, a self-care plan for people during this time. So I think, too, if you're feeling stuck, you don't know where to start, I think there's just a lot of really great basic tools um, in this packet that um, would be really, really helpful for people with eating disorders, but really for anybody. That's great. Thank you for highlighting that. It's on our website, uh, www.growcounseling.com slash resources. We have a link from our main page and um, we've got that ebook that Elizabeth was talking about. We, the podcasts that we're recording are going to be hosted there. We also have some videos on how to manage stress. So we're trying to really provide resources to, to the community to help get you through this challenging time. Elizabeth, thank you so much. This was super, super helpful. Okay, um, thank you. Not, not just for people with eating and eating recovery, but for all of us to just remember to stay um, positive and grounded and do the best we can during this time. So thank yes. you for taking your time. Absolutely. We it. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye.